Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey everybody, it's Justin. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to give a quick update on the information I was talking about in the beginning of this episode. This came out after we finished recording. The NBA is targeting November 18th as the new date for the draft. That'll give teams more time to prepare for the pre-draft process, and it will also give them time to do likely virtual regional draft combines. Free agency will likely still be shortly after this. The date hasn't been set then for that. But like I said, we didn't have this information we recorded, so I figured I'd share it now. Also, we talk about possibility of J.P. Makura joining the team for the minicamp. J.P. Makura, we were not aware of at the time, has signed with, I believe it's pronounced Afyon Beledespor. I may have said that completely wrong, and if I did, I apologize, in Turkey. Again, we were not aware of this at the time that we recorded but I saw it after we finished, so I figured I'd let you know now. J.P. McKeer will not be joining the Cavs in the mini camps because he has signed in Turkey. So with that, we can get into the episode. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild, and our other two team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind and Nuck if you buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today is Dan Galinsky. What's up, Dan? Not too much, Justin. Uh, just ready to dive into it. All right, we'll get right into it. Before we get into what we're going to talk about mainly today, quick note on the free agency and draft dates. The NBA and NBPA have officially agreed to push back the key dates, including October 16th, which was the draft, and October 18th, which was going to be the start of free agency. Those new dates will be determined at a later date. The NBPA sent out in a memo to agents saying that all their dates related to the 2020-21 season are likewise postponed to dates that will later be agreed upon by the NBA and MBPA. So we already knew this was coming. It's just official now. So hopefully we can possibly still see these things happen in October, but a lot of uncertainty right now. Nothing you can really do about it, I guess, but we'll get into now. The Cavaliers are still on track to hold mini camps. Well, a mini camp for just the Cavaliers at Rocket Mortgage Field House from September 14th to October 6th. Dan, your opening thoughts on this minicamp? Yeah, I think just for the young players, as we've kind of vaguely hit on um, before, it's it's good for them to be able to get those reps in. Um, and especially, I think, the, the key takeaway is them having to be able to have uh, the team work out part of it uh, after more individual work um, initially that's just good for kind of team camaraderie and kind of getting that five and five work in even though it's an hour a day or set to be should help guys like Darius Garland and you would think Kevin Porter Jr. 
guys like that. And it's it's good for the Cavs that Kevin Love will be in attendance um, due to Drummond not set to not be there um, per Fedor. So uh, I think just for them, it's it's kind of getting the band back together a little bit and kind of should be meaningful for Jordan Bell, who um, it could kind of help make for him to help make his case to maybe make the team and kind of set a good impression. But we'll, we'll see what uh, what what plays out with that. Yeah, this is going to be a big opportunity for Jordan Bell. The first chance that the Cavaliers are really going to get to see him play with the team. This might be his, his biggest opportunity. We'll, we'll have you know the preseason. We'll, we'll see how long the preseason ends up being next season. But this is going to be a huge opportunity for him. We Like you touched on, Andre Drummond is not expected to attend. He reportedly showed interest in doing it, but I think he had LASIK eye surgery. So there was reported that he wouldn't be coming because he was dealing with a personal matter. I'm assuming it's just dealing with that. Tristan Thompson and Matthew Delvadova are are also not going to be there. They're both unrestricted free agents, so that's completely understandable. Again, reports that you know Tristan would love to be there, but it's it, it's just not the right decision if you're an unrestricted free agent. Kevin is participated, or Kevin is expected to participate. H- how hard do you think he'll be going? How what do you think his role will be there? Kind of just to to mentor the young guys, or do you think he'll be going you know full speed with the rest of them? I wouldn't expect much. Um, in that realm, I think it's more of just a, um, as you hit on, kind of a mentorship type thing for him and kind of helping guys like Dean Wade, um, who is expected to be in attendance. And I would think Bell as well, um, who's who still is only 23, I believe. And uh, just kind of more so from a, a leadership standpoint, given that you said um, Delhi and TT are not going to or expected to be there, which again is is understandable from their from where they're coming from. So um, I wouldn't expect much uh, on floor work with Love. It's more so just a a team building and um, chemistry uh, standpoint for him in, in that way. Which um, for the Cavs does matter a, a whole lot right now, though, um, given that we've only seen Jamie Bickerstaff as the head coach in terms of game action for eleven games, and it can kind of again, bring the band back together a little bit. And I think for the young guys, just Love's presence there in that way is, is meaningful at this point. I agree. And you touched on having bigger staff there as well. I think, obviously, he was with them all season. He was in, you know, associate head coach. But right, having him and, you know, just, just having a little bit more time to mesh with JB and, you know, just work with him as the guy in charge, I think that that's really, really going to be valuable, having a little bit more time with him before the start of next season as well. Windler is expected to be at full go during this mini camp. Which players do you think will stand out? I think he's an obvious one as someone who, you know, just finally getting to see him play, there will be a lot of coverage of him. Do you think there's anybody else who's really going to impress? Um, I, I would think it's it's hard to say, like, impress at this point because it, there's only the, um, I guess, five on five, like an hour of that it, when the team workouts are, are set to start. I guess that's a decent amount of time. Um, he can get a good amount of work in there, but um, it's just hard to know. It's hard to know how much kind of stop and start they'd have in that for kind of instruction. And um, But I, I would think for Windler is, is definitely the key one, given that we didn't see him, at, at least with the Cavs last season at all. But I, I would think another one 
is uh, I would think it'd be kind of interesting to see if if Jetty can kind of um, look good and or at least have reports of that. Um, given that you would think next season that he's he's going to be pushed a lot for that three role. Um, so I would think he's another one, uh, kind of how he does is if he, is he rusty? Does he look good? Um, is there kind of some maybe more on ball stuff, um, for him? We'll see there. And I would actually think Alfonso McKinney could be one, um, that could kind of, I, I thought he was, when he was in last season, I thought gave them kind of some de- defensive chops, but, um, was inconsistent in the minute share, but, um, he, he's another one that I think could um, kind of stand out a little bit. And I, I guess Matt Mooney could be one as well. Could he be a guy that does hold down that other two-way spot all season, next season? I, I, that I'm very skeptical of. Um, when he did have a little bit of kind of those key minutes, just seemed timid when he was in there last season for the Cavs. But um, it, he'd be one that I'd, I'd look to, given that Delhi's not going to be there, can he eventually actually play real minutes with the Cavs? I think that's another guy that I'll be looking at. Yeah, I think this is also going to be really, really important for Darius Garland, having you know a, another large chunk of time to recover from whatever lingering effects there were from his college injury, and just having the opportunity because we've seen him put in a lot of work over this quarantine period, over this this whole you know extended off off season period. You know, a lot of stuff on social media, him working out in groups. I think showing some sort of progression in these mini camps is going to be really, really important for him. But I also agree with all the other guys that you brought up. Um, looking at the Cavaliers are allowed to bring up up to five G-leaguers. I think only three of them have been reported yet. We might get two more, not sure. But... um Marquise Bolden, Levi Randolph, and Vincent Edwards are going to be three guys that are going to be joining the Cavs. Any of those three stand out to you for any reason? Uh, Randolph's been around the block a while. I, I mean, I guess Marquise Bolden, I, it could be how he does in, in comparison to Bell. I, I could see that as kind of a um, a matchup to look at it, it for maybe guys that can stick around with the Cavs. I, I actually like Bolden. I think he... Um, showed some stuff in Canton this season is is a hard roller, and I thought he made a good case for himself during last preseason. But um, yeah, the other two are just kind of throw-ins. Yeah, I, I really like Bell as well, or Bell Bolden. I really like Bolden as well. I think whether it's with the Cavs or somewhere else, I've said this before. I think he really could be you know a, a serviceable backup center in the league. Randolph, Edwards, yeah, they're just going to kind of be bodies. I wouldn't be surprised if, I've said before, if Sheldon Mack gets thrown in there or if J.P. McCura gets thrown in there as well. Uh, any other guys down on Canton that you would want to see come up? Yeah, you're probably right on those. I, I just figured Matt Mooney, honestly, I actually am not sure. I, I don't think it's been reported that he's going to be in attendance, but I was just thinking from a, it might be a meaningful thing for the Cavs to do considering Delhi wouldn't be there, but um yeah, Makura actually is kind of an underrated defender. Uh, could maybe we'll see him next season at some point come up if there's injuries. But um, the problem is he's kind of a natural two, and he's not really a guy that you want sliding up to the three. So um, I, I just yeah, that's those are Mooney is really the one that 
and Bolden is those are the two that from Canton that kind of jump out to me for this. But um, other than that, no, I wouldn't really say anybody. Well, for Mooney, he was on a two way to end the season. I think he counts as part of like the main roster, so I think he's going to be there. Okay, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking, but yeah, that's uh, him and Bolden are really the two. The, the others are it's it's just hard to say if if that really do it would help their case, honestly. Yeah, I, a lot of those guys are if they, if they remain in with Canton, you know, those are ten day contract candidates for next season. Right. Exactly. That that's about it. Right. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on about this restart? No, it's just the, the just to piggyback off what you said. Uh, Garland definitely needs. Yeah, he needs this work, and hopefully for him. Uh, honestly, it'd be nice actually if they could kind of have him and Sexton go against each other a little bit. Uh, I think that'd be meaningful for the, uh, both of them and could honestly help Colin maybe at the one a little bit too, but um, from a play, playmaking standpoint, but uh, I guess they need to get their on four chemistry anyway, but as um, yeah, I mean, Garland definitely needs, this needs to be big for him. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. We've covered that now. We're going to get into what we're going to do is we're just going to go down through the entire roster and just kind of look at positional versatility as far as guys who can play more than one position, guys who, you know, where we think they'll spend the majority of their minutes next season just looking at it player by player. So looking at the first couple, you have Darius Garland. I think he'll play all of his minutes at point guard. Is there any real argument there? Not at all. If Delhi's back, I think it's kind of the same thing. He's he's going to be the point guard if he's on the floor. Agreed. Dante Exum, I think he'll primor. I I think he'll primarily play point guard. But um, what do you think? He I think he can play two guard, and I think he definitely could play two next to Darius Garland. How much do you expect to see him play off ball next year? Uh, I would. Honestly, think he'd play actually more at the two. Um, I, I'm probably not in the majority here, but I just think with Kevin Porter, as he was, I mean, he didn't really, he didn't play the one at all last season, I don't believe, but uh, I just think he'll, I think he'll be able to play at the one a fair amount this year and just, I mean, be more of a scorer type at the one in those instances. But I just think that the Cavs, I don't think Exum. I don't think it's a smart idea to have him as a as a lead playmaker all that often. Yeah, this, just because of the injury history with him. And that's a good point. I think you know he has the size to play the you know the two guard, and he's not an outstanding shooter. But in a catch and shoot such situation, he's good enough to where I think you can have him in the corner on the wing, and he's he's not going to kill you there. Sexton, I think he's probably going to play most of his minutes at the two guard. How much point guard do you think Colin will play moving forward? Do you kind of see him in a similar role to that kind of KPJ point guard role? 
that you were talking about? Yeah, I, th- I think it's more of a um, like, and then I think it's more of the. I mean, he'll formally play some. Uh, I think it was like give or take twenty five percent of his minutes last season. I can't. I don't have the exact number, but I think yeah. As I just think he's more of the like de facto one when if there's instances when he's there with with Sexton off, or I'm sorry, with Garland off. But I, I just think with him, it's more of a kind of drive and kick. You're not really running and initiating sets all that much with Colin. Um, I, I think they kind of understand that at this point. So, uh, yeah, I think with him, it's it's primarily at the two, and there will be some instances with him formally at the one, but I don't I don't see that as is really I don't read much into that. Uh, we'll we'll just touch just going down the list here. Still, Matt Mooney. I don't think we'll see him a lot in real minutes, and you know I think most of his minutes will kind of come in garbage time. Do you see him as as more of a point guard or a two guard? I think you kind of have to play, like if he's going to play meaningful minutes, I think you have to play him at point guard just because I think that having, especially with other small guards in, you know, in the rotation, I think he's just too small to play the two. Yeah. I, I mean, he seems, I mean, based on the college days and how he was initially, he's, he's more of a natural kind of just shooter type, yeah. naturally a two, but. He actually has pretty good passing feel. Um, he has really grown in that in recent seasons, um, dating back to Texas Tech. They, he did have to play kind of at that spot a, a fair amount. So, yeah, but in meaningful minutes, if there are any for him, it's it's definitely the one just because he's not a guy that's going to create for himself. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Porter a little bit. How much do you see him being the only point guard on the floor? You know, we talked about him kind of playing – in that role, maybe next to Exum, who can kind of share some of those playmaking duties with them. But do you think we could see a lineup where it's like Porter, Windler, Jetty, you know, and then two bigs? Or do you think he'll usually play, you know, next to one of those guards? Oh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I I think we'll see lineups with like him at the one, uh, Windler at the two, Jetty at the three. And I'd say like Nance at the four and and like Dre at the five, something like that, or and or uh, I guess like Love and maybe like a like an a Kong Wu and that or Jordan Bell, something like that. Um, yeah, I I think we'll see. I, I can't put a, an exact percentage on it, but I think we'll see Porter at the one a, a fair amount next year, just because. It kind of is is a way like kind of a mismatch um, in some stretches, just because he's he's got legit size at six four, and I just think with for the Cavs, he the way he can get downhill, just that threat alone, in, at least in some stretches, can uh, and he's a willing passer, and he can hit those lobs and at least dump offs um, to those guys in the dunker spot. So I think that we'll see that a fair amount. He's he's more than capable of that with with his handle. Yeah, even if that's maybe not his long-term position, I think right. putting him out there at least next season, that would be really, really important for his own development as far as just getting to, you know, be the lead ball handler. I feel yeah. like if we do have Porter out on the floor as the, as the you know, the main you know playmaker, I guess you can say, facilitator, it'd be important to have kind of a secondary guy, whether that is an Exum or... 
even you know, it, it, I think it'd be important for him to play with with Love or Nance, just someone else who can also move the ball well. I think that that's going to be important for him. Yeah, I, Looking, I'm. See, you can I'm say. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's exactly what I was going to say too. Um, and honestly, Windler is kind of a guy that um, I, I know that that it's not what is necessarily his primary uh, kind of skill set, but um, he's he's a capable pick and roll playmaker in, in some instances too. Um, good ball mover, and and yeah, Nance and or Love are are definitely the bigs that can kind of help share the playmaking. So. Yeah, I, but I think for Porter's development, it's it's at least next season. I think it's um, definitely good for to see if he can do that because we we probably are going to see it based on what JB Bickerstaff uh, wanting him to wanting to see if he could do that in what was supposed to be more this season, and obviously then the uh, hiatus and then the Cavs not being in Orlando. But yeah, I think for him, it's it's key to be able to see if he can do that, at least in some stretches. Agreed. I think, you know, obviously his, his natural position is kind of more that two-guard role. How much small forward do you think we'll see him play this year next to, you know, just thinking next to maybe maybe Garland and Sexton? That's an offense or a lineup with a lot of offense and not a lot of defense, at least with those three. But I feel like we will definitely see those three be on the floor, at least this, you know, this next season a lot together. Um, it... It's it's hard again for me to to say like how much there, but um, just with hopefully Windler in the fold, but um, I, I wouldn't say close to as much as he was last season. Uh, but I, I we'll see him there at times, just because um, when you have those three out there, um, two three of the guys with that can really probably create or our best have the best handle out there. So, uh, and Porter showing a good catch and shoot ability definitely helps that possibility. But, uh, I just think ideally that's, that's not what you want from a defensive standpoint, unless there's key injuries at the three. Um, yeah, I wouldn't expect that all that much though, but I'm, I'm sure we'll see it a bit. Kind of the same boat for, for Windler. I mean, I think, do you see him as more of a natural two or a natural three? I think, you know, you want him to play the three, but he is still kind of thin there, and you can slide him up to the two guard. Where where do you see him kind of slotting in? I, honestly, I think we'll see him at the two and three. Probably, I think it'll be pretty close. I think it'll be like a forty five fifty five uh, realm there, um, just because I, it's it's hard to say. I, I think he's. The way he actually, I mean, he rebounds the ball really, really well. And kind of an underrated part about him is he's a like a, a really like high-level finisher. Um, uses both hands really well. And honestly, he's kind of like a lob threat for us, too. Um, I, it, it'll take probably some time to before fans see that. But uh, I, I think he's kind of more naturally at the three, but um, has, a, has a solid playmaking ability. Uh, but I, I think we'll see him at the two a fair amount. I, honestly, I think we'll see him and Jetty together um, a, a good amount this year too, just because uh, I think that'll kind of uh, help sp- kind of get more out of Jetty just because Windler's probably not going to – he's not going to have nearly the on-ball responsibility of like a Colin Sexton at the two. So, uh, yeah, I think – 
naturally he's probably more of a wing or I'm sorry, more of a three, but yeah, I think we'll see him at the two and three in, in a variety of scenarios often. Moving on to Jetty. How many minutes? Obviously, we know he's, his, his natural position is that small forward. Do we think that the, the Jetty Osmond at power forward experiment will continue this season, or do you think that's going to pretty much have an end put to it? I just ha- You can hope that he can make improvements on that end, but I feel like it's, just, it's really hard to play him at the four. Yeah, I just think the advanced metrics there are just you're just asking for trouble just because he is it just doesn't defend the four at the four at all. Well, he just gets overpowered. So, um, I mean, ideally, you'd want him to be able to play that spot um, to kind of maximize spacing, but it's it's just hard for me to to say that that's what the Cavs want. I, I don't think Bakerstaff wants him in that in that role. Not not much if he can help it. I agree. I think you know most of his minutes are going to come solely at the three. I don't think he's going to be somebody who slides up into either of those guard spots either. McKinney kind of the same as Jetty. I think we have a better chance in the minutes that McKinney plays of, of seeing him at the four in those small lineups. I think he's more capable of playing the four. Obviously, again, more of a natural three, but I, I like the idea of McKinney in some small ball lineups at the four. Yeah, I mean, last year he, I believe, played 43% of his minutes last season at the four. And um, conversely, he does a really good job uh, kind of deterring entry passes at the four. Um, just a really heady team defender. And, yeah, I think him at the four, honestly, I expect him to play that more when he is in there. Um, he's probably just going to be a situational player, more of a uh, – like he's a guy that I honestly think could really help a guy like Windler kind of behind the scenes defensively um, in his development there and probably Porter as well. Uh, I think that's – but when he's in there, yeah, I think he's a guy, given that a lot of teams do play – uh, kind of more spacers and or drivers at the four. And I think, I mean, I, I, he's only listed, I believe, 215, but he plays bigger than that, really defends the ball or, or the rebounds the ball really well for his uh, more of a probably natural three. Uh, but just a, a bulldog defender really competes and has really good team defensive feel, which, which helps. And, Closes out generally more under control than Jetty. Um, so, yeah, I think he's – but we'll see him mostly at the four just be factoring in the other guys. Larry Nance is somebody that we've kind of talked about in a previous episode, talking about his ability to play the three and those those really big lineups. The four is obviously his natural position, but Larry Nance at the five again in those small ball lineups. And I think we could, we could see something this year like a Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard – Dylan Windler two, Jetty three, McKinney four, Nance five, and a very assuming that you know Jetty you know does continue to improve on defense and that that Porter is capable of switching around. That's a very 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 switchable lineup with with those five guys being you know similar size. Obviously Nance is a little bit bigger there, but that's a really interesting small ball switch everything lineup for the Cavs and something that I think that they. They could go to if they really want to. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, I just think the way Bickerstaff is, he's going to be a guy that's going to be um, kind of switch things up a good amount, um, kind of a change things on the fly type guy. And I think that's really good quality to have um, for this team and how they're structured. So, yeah, I, I'm 100% with you on that. And especially this year, I think for the Cavs, uh I think they're going to be playing a, a good amount of guys. Um, like a, a, I think they're going to have a pretty deep rotation. I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to lead to wins, but I, I think for them, a key going forward is being able to, as you said, be more versatile defensively. And I think what's also kind of factored into that is that sort of lineup that you just mentioned uh, could definitely, I, I think, could create some turnovers. I think they kind of do some traps, uh, half-court traps a good amount of the time. Um, kind of just kind of force teams to or dictate to teams a little bit more, um, which is a little bit boomer bust. But I think there that could have some good spacing. I mean, outside of McKinney, those guys are all at least catch and shoot guys that are viable. And definitely, I think for them, it, those sort of lineups can kind of manufacture more playmaking, too, um, and could allow the Cavs to also get up and down as well. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on the ants. I think he's really the guy that you look at is is the guy that is by far the most versatile on this Cavs team. And I think we'll see him I think it'll be a decent amount for three. Um or, or I should say decent amount might be a stretch, but we'll definitely we'll def- see him there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was not a fluky thing post all star, I don't think at all. Yeah, I think even like you said, even if it's not a regular thing like an every game thing that's definitely something that at least at the beginning of the season they'll try to go back to again there's there's just too much success with that lineup to to not go back to it I don't think moving on to sorry you were saying oh no I'm just I just agree yeah Dean Wade another kind of guy who I think talking just about you know what is his spot in the rotation going to be I think at least in the beginning of the season, he'll be more of an you know spot rotation minutes guy or or garbage time guy. I think his his again he's more of a four a power forward. Do you think he could get to a point where he can play center? Uh, I I don't see it just because he's I think he's listed at two twenty eight, but he's kind of had some in. I mean, he's had rampant foot issues. Um, that those those definitely plagued him at, at K State, and is more of a guy that honestly is kind of more switchable onto the perimeter. Is not, I mean, he has some shot blocking ability. I mean, has decent feel there, but not not a guy that you want banging inside um, against kind of like traditional centers. And I would just think that teams, if he's in there, they're going to try to go into him. Um, yeah, I just I, I see him. At the four, and that's that's essentially it. I agree with that. I, I think it's just it's it'll be hard to play him there. Like you said, he's just not it, as far as weight. He's around the same as Jordan Bell, but Jordan Bell, I just feel like Jordan Bell is just more of a banger than than Dean Wade. And you make a good point with you know the, with the foot injuries kind of being a, something to at least keep in mind. There, I think. His, his long-term position is is at that stretch four spot. And I think he can kind of try to mold his game after Kevin Love a little bit as far as just being a, a shooting, rebounding. Maybe we'll see him eventually kind of be a little bit better on the perimeter as far as defending than Kevin Love. 
But I think that's somebody who he should he should try to model his game after. Yeah, and maybe I, someday that leads to him playing some minutes at the five, but I don't see that day being anytime soon. Yeah, definitely with you there. Um, he, I mean, he, he shot thirty nine percent, I believe, at in Canton this year, and right about that at K State. So uh, the perimeter shooting is, I mean, we've seen it in, in those levels, but uh, how much? He's just got to play with more confidence, and when he does get minutes, that was that was disappointing because um, the guy has does he does has some stretch big ability, and honestly, in the mid post, he has good feel too. Um, it, but if he's at the five, you're you're just kind of just kind of throwing him in there to uh, honestly probably just use up fouls in in some like a couple minutes yeah. if need be. So, <laughs> but I, I, I think just think that, from uh, from a health standpoint, yeah. I think it's just better for him at the four. Yeah. I think that, you know, you were kind of talking about his confidence issues when he was in the game last year, which wasn't a ton. I think if he can get to a point where, even if he's not playing great in the beginning, if he can get to a point where he has a set number of minutes a night, where he can just get in and kind of get in a rhythm, I think we'll see those those confidence issues kind of start to, to fade away a little bit. At least we can hope that it will. Moving on to, to Kevin Love, another guy that we've talked about some as far as where is he going to be playing this year? I think he'll spend almost all of his minutes at the four. I just don't think he likes playing the five. I don't think that the Cavaliers are going to force him to play at the five, even if that is a good lineup to go to in stretches. Maybe in those in those small ball lineups, you know, when the Cavs play the Rockets, maybe you, you go there more. But outside of specialty matchups, I don't see Kevin Love playing the five very much. Yeah, I 100% agree on that. Um it's just for for them they're going to try to preserve him as as much as they can and yeah when he's in, in there at the 5 there's just i mean the spacing is is i mean it's the ideal way to do it but at the 4 it's just as you said that's that's where he wants to be at it's where he's most comfortable allows and for them they have to see how i should say if the fit between him and Drummond will work at least to some extent you would think. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's just hard to see that being the case at all. We'll move on to Jordan Bell. We're almost through this list here. I see him at this point spending almost all of his minutes as kind of with that small ball five. I think he's capable of playing the four and obviously that's kind of been his natural position throughout his career. I just think that the shooting is too much of a concern. Even if he does kind of again, have that, that ability to switch out onto the perimeter and play defense and stints out there. But I, I see him as primarily playing, again, in those small ball five lineups. And he's not somebody I see being a consistent part of the rotation anyway. So I, I see him, again, in those in those certain matchups where you need to go small, throwing him out there at the five. Yeah, it's that's exactly what I was going to say as well. Yeah, I think. Do you think he has any ability to really play the four anymore? Do you think that that's something that we could see at all? I mean, we'll probably see it some just to see how it works. But do you think that that's something that the Cavaliers will have any success with? No, I just I, I see him in that uh, screener dunker role. That's that's more so uh, for them. If I, ideally, if he if he is going to be in there, that's that's where he'll be at. I think. I agree, and then. Last couple of guys we've got here. Tristan, if he's back, 
I think he's going to play all of his minutes at center. Same goes for Drummond. I don't think we'll see any, you know, twin tower lineups there with, with Tristan at the four. I think those days are behind us. And you're never going to see Drummond leave the five. So any 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 disagreements with me there? <laughs> no, nah, definitely with you on that one. Yeah. That's that's everybody. Before before we wrap things up here, I also just want to touch on one more quick thing, a little draft topic. Fedor, in one of his articles, says that Obi Toppin is still in play for the Cavs. Personally, not a fan of it. I don't I don't know. You know we, we were saying that, you know, it was kind of down to that uh, Okoro, Vassell, Evdia as being the three guys that they were looking at. According to Fedor, Opie Toppin's in play there as well. Do you do, do you have any interest in that? Uh, I, I was I could be more emphatic, but I'm just going to say no. Period. Um, and, and Vassini or Sam Vassini also said that he's heard that it's for the Cavs that the most that he's heard is, has been Abdia and Toppin, and I I hope to God that that's just a smokescreen because. Obi Toppin, I, I get that they're saying he's um, – Fedor said that some view him as a long-term replacement for Kevin Love, but it's – for me, I, I he shot 39% from three last year on – I think it was like 2.63 attempts. So, But it, to me, he's more of a five anyhow, and it, at least – Defensively, I mean, love is obviously limited. I'll I'll say that. But when he's bought in, he's actually a better team defender than than many realize. Actually, and Toppin is he's an athlete vertically, a good roller, but he's ideally a five, and he definitely defensively would just be a disaster. And it's conflicting that the Cavs want to compete for the playoffs this season. If you got Obi Toppin, that's how much is he going to play? What kind of impact is he going to have? To me, that that would just be a disaster and almost a fireable offense. Uh, like it's almost like they should fire Altman right on the spot and they're it's and Brandon Weems for that. That would be that would be a train wreck. I just I really don't understand I mean, are you are you going to be trading Kevin Love like the week, fo- like the month following, like as soon as it's possible? That would this is a. I mean, I understand that's a weak draft at the like by and large for the Cavs, but I mean, you're not getting a franchise player here as they could be in the following draft. You're not getting a Cade Cunningham or Brand Boston Jr. But I I just that I I hope to God that that's a smokescreen because that would be the worst possible pick that they should have. And that, oh, I just, I, it would just, it just makes me want to like, ugh. I, that's all I can really say. I don't know. That, that I don't think any, there'd be very few Cavs fans that would be at all, have any faith in Altman and, or any reporter after that. And that, that would just be a train wreck. I, I cannot co-sign that in any way, shape or form. I think that Obi Toppin will be a fine player. I really do. Like, I think, as far as just watching him play, I really do like him as a player, and I think he could be something real. Do I think he'll ever be an all-star? Probably not. But uh, 
Here's, here's an interesting question for you. You're talking about Altman should be fired on the spot. What would get Altman fired quicker? Drafting Oban Top, Obi Toppin or drafting Killian Hayes? Oh, I'd be fi- more than fine with Killian Hayes. Uh, would you? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's... I mean, he's a little bit of a... For the casual fan, a little bit of an unknown. He has a tremendous handle. Can cre- honestly get wherever he wants on the floor. And... Like Garland, he's not exactly like – he's a good play – I mean, better playmaker than Garland has better f- kind of passing ability. I don't know if the feel is near – like I think Garland's feel is a little bit better in that way. But, yeah, if, if that's the guy they see as their playmaker of the future, yeah, I'd be more than fine with it. I just – I don't see that as a real possibility as much. I, like, honestly, I think Halliburton would be more so one. But – um yeah, Hayes. Yeah, I'd be more than fine with that. And if the that mean that obviously mean Garland would be shifted to a bench role, you would think, and or they would probably look to trade him at some point down the road. And if that's their decision, that's their decision. But um, Toppin could be a solid scorer. I'm not saying he can't, but the Cavs can't. Like they need guys that can can contribute. In other ways, in, in other than ways scoring. Than, than scoring exactly, and and Hayes is a good defender too. Um, definitely a strength of his game, I I believe, and he can guard both guard spots. I, it's just hard for me to see. Toppin can guard fours, and that's about it. And I mean, he's a good athlete, but not the the IQ defensively is not really there. And honestly, to me, he's he's like an Ennis Canner defensively. There's just not much there that you're getting. And for the Cavs, that's that's just too high. Of, that's just a meaningless pick to me. Um, unless you're going to trade Love really soon in the season. But honestly, I don't think they're going to. And given that, it's just it, that's just a kind of like a luxury type pick. And the Cavs, they need guys that can make plays right away. And for him, it's just a bench scorer type. And... There's only so much ball that can go around in that way. And I don't necessarily buy into Toppin as a floor spacer yet. I don't know how much that is honestly feasible and it'll translate. But if they went with it, I'd, that would, I'd not be pleased. That's all I can really say. No. But I, I, I get where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Again, I'm pretty high on Toppin as a player. I just don't think Cleveland is the place for him. Um, like for the, I, I really, I would, I would personally be happier with Toppin than I would be with Hayes. I think just the sheer frustration of of picking a point guard three years in a row would do me in more than picking Toppin would. That's just me. And again, I think that the skill set that that Killian Hayes brings to the table is maybe of more use to the Cavs than that that Obi Toppin brings. To be clear, I'm not a fan of bringing either of them to Cleveland, but I agree. I hope that this whole Obi Toppin thing is just a smokescreen and that we can just 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 take Isaac Okoro or or Denny Abdia, even even like we said Vassell, and just move on. Don't don't make this more complicated than it needs to be. Or if you're the Bulls, or even if somebody in the top three feels like doing it, just take Obi Toppin off the table so that we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that, that'd be great if the Bulls did that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I understand that where the Cavs are, I, I get that they probably are, would 
still be thinking best player available. I, I, I understand that line of thought, but if you're actually wanting to start building a culture, building a team that is, they say they want to be sustainable. That's eventually, I, I mean, I understand it's, it sounds probably uh, not sexy, but fit does matter. Honestly, if you, if you actually are trying to build a sustainable culture and I just think for them, just just don't overthink it. Don't try to plug a square into a round peg, square hole into a round peg, or however the hell that saying goes. And and just get a wing. I ideally get one of the three wings, Vassell, Akoro, or Avdia, and just roll with it. And they can if they get a high quality defender in this draft. Given how the new lottery rules are, honestly, you could even if they win somehow won 30 games next season, let's say, they could still get, uh, honestly, there's eight or nine players that honestly are like franchise potentially level players next in the next draft. And to me, if you want to trade Garland, eventually, if you get a guy and you land a guy like Cade and get lucky, which is maybe a possibility, okay, that's fine. But I, the Toppin thing, I, I just I just don't get it. And that's putting a lot of pressure on Toppin, if you're getting him to get a be a Kevin Love replacement, I mean the guy is a, has had a hell of a career to this point, whether Cavs fans have admitted or not. And I just think that's putting undue pressure on him, and it, that's just it's just hard to kind of accelerate a rebuild if if you do something like that or even steadily progress it. I just that would just be it's, it's blasphemy to me. I just that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. We've actually gone on a little bit longer than I expected. This is our longest episode yet. But uh, any any final thoughts on on any of this today before we get out of here? Uh, no, that's that's about it. Let's just not see Andre Drummond shoot threes next season. That's all I can say. Agreed. Okay. Well, uh, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe on iTunes, rate, review, all the fun stuff. We will see you next week. Monday, we'll be back at it with another episode, so we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you. Yep, amen to that, and well, maybe you'll be able to get, we'll see some Obi Toppin jerseys soon enough, unfortunately. Just hopefully they're not Cavs jerseys. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.